0: Log Talk Radio.
1: Welcome to Great Out of Blitz, right here on Apple Podcasts. And Block Talk Radio, Oscar Lopez, your host here, will be joined uh, shortly here by Troy Wilson. And we will not have the WFA All-Star tonight, Holly Custis, in the house, but uh, she'll be back next week. Some stuff came up, so um, that's something she's got to take care of, but uh, we'll have her insights next week as well. And today we're excited because we are going to have three-time gold medalist and two-time WFA champion of the D.C. Divas, Callie Brunson. Uh, 15 minutes after the hour on the no-joke football huddle. So it's going to be really, really awesome. And we're going to be talking about uh, all the stuff that's happening in the NFL, week six into week seven, Uh, college football as well. Uh, Just a lot of things that happen, especially on the NFL realm of things, Uh, exciting finishes in college football, uh, down to the wire games, just exciting. I'm sort of like getting into this thing where – football isn't so much of an excitement week to week where college just kind of like gives you this heart attack and a stroke mentality. So uh, let's uh, bring in Troy Wilson here. Troy, um, I don't know, buddy, but uh, college football this week was just crazy. Yeah.
2: I mean, this is uh, this is what draws a lot of people to amateur sports. And, um, you know, so when some people question uh, why we have this, um, this craze for amateur sports. That's why. I mean, just to watch those games and to watch the outcomes of these games and, and the way that these kids play and fight tooth and nail. And sometimes when you think a team is completely outmanned, another team just rises up and just surprises everyone. You saw that a lot this week. This is what you call one of those upset weeks. It just seems like the dominoes fell that way. So when you see those, it gets really gets the fans excited about college football and what it also does. Is it Garner's new fans? So when when I see weekends like this it just really excites me.
1: And a lot of close games too, Troy. I mean, we're talking like six points or under, some of them even going down to the wire with the one play difference, um, you know, touchdown here, field goal there, uh interception. So there was a lot of big plays on here. Um T C U continues uh to just get into the rankings in a higher in a higher ranking, so Pretty impressive week for them.
2: Yeah, so TCU, their mantra is, uh, even before they joined the Big 12, and they've done so in, in recent years, um, but their forte was always defense. And if you watch Big 12 football, you're a fan of that league, the one thing that you know is not a lot of those teams play defense. So that's how TCU is differentiating themselves from the rest of that league. And then now you throw in Kenny Hill, who transferred out of Texas A&M. He gives them a legitimate quarterback for the first time since they've had Andy Dalton, well, as far as a passer. Um, it, you also had a, a – uh, I forgot the guy's name. He plays for the Seahawks right now. He, he was there also, a super exciting quarterback. But whenever they have a viable quarterback, and you can put that along with some semblance of a running game, and they're always really up there when it comes to uh, – uh, to playing great defense. TCU looks like they're starting to put it all together right now. If they can keep this going, somehow get, in, get Turpin involved at the wide receiver and running back position, this team is already scary as it is and may be even more scarier if they can if they can get a lot more big plays out of those teams. They have a really good chance to run the table in the Big 12 because these teams really don't play a whole lot of defense. You saw that kind of with the Oklahoma-Texas game. Uh, you've seen that with Oklahoma State they can really solidify themselves but as long as they just go ahead and keep winning. But it looks like they are heading toward
1: the Big 12 championships. Um, Troy, five interceptions by uh, Luke Falk in the uh, Washington Cal game. So uh, the Bears basically shut down Washington State. I mean, it just – the 37 to three, at the three, this guy just literally threw the game away basically. If you throw five interceptions, you're pretty much, uh, you know, throwing – you know, you're putting it – uh, your team down all the way
2: <laughs> Yeah, it was one of those things where, you know, you you kind of just look at it like, you know, Luke Falk came into that game as a budding Heisman Trophy candidate. Uh, I've been kind of saying his praises all last year, and especially this year uh, with some of the big wins that they've had when they beat USC. Um, and you, you thought going into Berkeley where Cal is not necessarily an upper echelon team in the pac 12 and for them to do what they did to Washington State, and they also completely befuddled Washington State on defense because Luke Falk was giving all the praises. But, listen, that Washington State defense is really what was selling everyone, and they just went out there and laid an egg. I'm not, I am not—I mean, when it comes to kids sometimes, they maybe they were reading too much of their clippings. Maybe they didn't come into their game thinking that Cal was going to beat them. Maybe they got overconfident. But you see that a lot with teams who are not really used to um, uh, they're not used to winning, so you, you you typically wouldn't see something like that from an Alabama. Alabama, if they're getting beat, they're getting beat by a good team, but you rarely see them get beat by a team that they should beat. And Washington State definitely should have beat the beat the Bears, but you go into uh, into Berkeley, you know, this is one of those those trap games and one of those games where it just catches you completely off guard. They're going to have their work hand, uh, They're going to have their work cut out for them with Mike Leach and that staff because they really have to get that confidence going. They have t- taken a loss, and it's a division loss, but that doesn't mean the season right now for the Washington State, uh, for for Washington State Cougars.
1: Now, uh, uh, Dungey and upset uh, with Syracuse doing their thing this weekend. Pretty big upset versus Clemson. Um, the guy who's three touchdowns. I'm talking about Eric Dun- uh, Dungey. Three touchdowns over almost close to 300 yards. Um, so is this a real stunner? This is kind of like what we talked about before, Troy, where you go into certain weeks and somebody just completely takes off a, you know, top-ranked team and shows their might. It just looked like Syracuse just really gets past on uh, number two Clemson. So did Clemson come with the letdown here, or was Syracuse just good enough or better enough to just, t- you know, to win? Obviously they won, but, you know, I mean the mindset coming in.
2: Well, the the biggest issue with Clemson was when Kelly Bryant went down. Um, he had a concussion. He came out of the game, and it just kind of went all downhill after that. I mean, Clemson couldn't get much going offensively. Uh, but the, again, the shocking thing was the defense. I mean, you're talking about one of the faster, one of the better defensive teams in the nation, and the Clemson Tigers. I mean, who knows? They they look like they have at least. Uh, six starters that can be in the NFL um, Sooner or later And for them to come out And, and not really uh, Play up to their standard I mean, it just I'm watching the game And Syracuse is, is, is hitting them With very quick passes um, They really wanted to get the ball out of uh, Dungey's hands pretty quickly And their game plan was effective And it looked like Clemson never adjusted And again, this is one of those things where you know, the coaching staff there and Dabo Sweeney, they're really going to have to get their stuff together. I mean, they, they were looking at a national championship berth. Now, they've dropped down to the number seven ranking, and so they're not completely out of it yet. They still only have one loss, but a division loss is a division loss, and those things are extremely valuable when it comes down to who's going to the playoff at the end of the season. If Clemson can still keep their head above water, they still have a chance, but this definitely hurts them.
1: Troy, were you impressed with LSU stunning Auburn at this point? Was that something that you absolutely that you, per, yeah,
2: absolutely. I mean, listen, the Auburn Tigers, honestly, they were they looked like they were playing better than every single team that I had seen, uh, you know, with an exception of a few teams, and that was a completely stunning upset because LSU was really. really? Uh, you know, they barely won uh, the previous week and they, they, you know, they got beat by Troy earlier in the season and everyone is sitting there saying to themselves, listen, this LSU program is going to, they're due for a major overhaul. Um, you know, they're, you know, their, their, uh, their coach is not going to make it through the season. And then you see that team rally and I'm, you know, I'm watching the game and I'm watching just Auburn is running up and down the field on them with no problem whatsoever. And all of a sudden, LSU, they flip the switch at halftime. They come out battling. Again, this is one of those things where in college football, you never know. You really have to watch the games to watch these things. Because, I mean, if if that was an NFL game, more, more times than likely, you're walking away saying, oh, man, this game is over. But in college, you are never out of a game. And that's proof right there. The LSU Tigers, they were on death's doorstep. And they rise up, and now they're 5-2. and two. They're looking at, you know, uh, trying to run the table here and get to the SEC championship, and it is not out of the realm of possibility because there are so many things that can go wrong or right for whatever team that you're talking about. And the SEC has this thing where steel sharpens and steel, and LSU is a prime example of that. Look forward to watching them go ahead and increase their workload and then see if they can go ahead and continue this momentum because they have it right now.
0: All
1: right. Wisconsin barely gets out of uh, uh, versus Purdue with the late pick to hold off and, and beat Purdue. So uh, they're also in the top, almost top six. So that that, that right there, they pretty much remain undefeated. So it's a, sort of a like, a, okay, we just barely get out of here with the win. So Purdue played pretty well in regards to just holding them down in terms of defense. But Offensively, Purdue kind of struggled, and so did Wisconsin.
2: Yeah, Wisconsin is 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 a consummate Big Ten team where they're going to run the ball and they're going to play defense. This is their mantra every year. They they lean on you with the big offensive line. If you, they're very similar to what you would see in Stanford in the Pac-12. And so Wisconsin, it looked like they had a little bit of a matchup problem with Purdue. Purdue, um, you know, they really took it to them. They stacked the box. They dared them to throw it. And you know what? A lot of the times Purdue won that matchup. And it did take a lot for Wisconsin to pull that game out. But in the end, Wisconsin, they just want to win in advance. I mean, listen, in the Big Ten, there's no such thing as an easy game. There are are teams that are going to struggle. There are teams that are going to give you a hard game just because they are division rivals and they're very used to seeing you. You saw that also with Michigan and Indiana going into overtime where Michigan was a prohibitive favorite. But in the Big Ten, these games happen, and also in college football, these things happen. In the end, Wisconsin was just strong enough to win. And if they can advance and go to the next week, and they have Maryland coming into uh, Cariff Randall next week, that's not going to be an easy game either. Maryland is sneaky good, even though they have a ton of injuries. And so this is one of those Big Ten matchups where you sit back and say, Wisconsin-Purdue, it should have been a close game, but now Wisconsin gets to move forward.
1: Right, so, Troy, um, just a, lot, a big week of just competitive college football this week, this week uh, seven. So, going into week eight, more crucial states for certain teams, and we're talking SEC, ACC, which is normally the hotbeds. Even the Pac-12, it's, you know, everything's getting a little tighter. Every, every win's got to be a must-win, especially for some of the undefeated teams. And we're talking about Penn State now ranked third overall. So very impressive for that program to come up almost. In a, it might be in the top five.
2: Yeah, and, and rightfully so. Um, you know, some rankings like they're ranked number two again. I mean, they've been one of the more impressive teams in the entire nation. Uh, you got Saquon Barkley, who was leading the Heisman Trophy candidacy. Uh, he's been leading it really since uh, week three in this league in the in the, uh, in the NCAA, and. This week he has a huge test at home against Michigan because, listen, make no mistake about it, Michigan's defense is lights out great. They are great, and they will bring it to him. And so teams have really – they've had a little bit of success slowing Saquon Barkley down and daring um, Penn State to throw the ball. And they really haven't, you know, been as solid as they want to be on offense. And so Michigan right now, they're coming into that game They're just squeaking by in Indiana. They've had problems on offense. This is looking to shape up to be one of those great defensive battles in the Big Ten. So if you like defense, this would be one of those games to check out. I'm looking forward to watching this matchup. Right now, I can't really call it. I'm kind of leaning toward Penn State because they're in Happy Valley, and you've got 110 fans screaming at the top of their lungs. And this is the huge game of this weekend. It's going to be a great fight. And also – you also have that USC-Notre uh, uh, Dame game. That's also a huge game. So this is going to be a great week for college football. I'm definitely tuning in to watch both of those games.
1: All right. So, Troy, uh, later in the hour here, uh, right after our, we bring in our guests, uh, we will to watch for college football. We'll dive into, uh, obviously, the NFL and everything that went on in uh, in this past week in the NFL as well. So uh, you guys can visit our No Joke Football Shop up to 30% off on T-shirts, leggings, and more. You guys can go to Zazzle.com, Gridiron Beauties. Uh, Use the Worldwide tab for any international orders uh, from Australia or any other country that you want to order. So visit our NoJet football shop, uh, up to 30% off on T-shirts, leggings, and more. Use the daily codes and save big. So uh, thank you for everybody that's uh, shopped at our shop and sporting our stuff. Uh, Every uh, item that is sold helps to spotlight another talented woman playing American football globally. So appreciate the support. Like us on Facebook at Great Iron Beauties. Follow us on Twitter at Great Iron Beauty. And you can like us on Instagram as well on Great Iron Beauties. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel where you can get amazing shared videos from all over YouTube that you probably haven't watched before. Go to our YouTube channel. You can check out uh, action from uh, Europe, Mexico, Team USA, and everything in between. So um, awesome. So it's a great hub and we do a lot a, a lot of things there to share the videos that come out all the time. So take a look at our uh, YouTube channel as well, at Great Iron Beauties. You can subscribe there if you like. Otherwise, you can use the notification, and as we upload videos, you get the notification as well. Subscribe and download our uh, Apple podcast, and uh, at Great Iron Beauties, you can follow the link on our Twitter feed or on our Facebook page. So uh, let's bring in, in the No Joke Football Huddle, obviously sponsored by Zazzle.com, uh, the talented and multi gold medalist, and multi-time uh, WFA champion. Um, that's uh, Callie Brenton of the DC Divas. Callie, how's it going today?
3: Hey, how are you guys? Long time to talk.
1: Long time. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming you're on the road, as always.
3: Yes, as always.
1: As always, yes. Uh, Callie, I going to bring you in because uh, you're one of the names that popped out a while back uh, you know, Rachel Hahn, Colette Smith, um, you had Katie Sowers, uh, O.J. Jenkins, uh, and then we also had um, Phoebe Skechler from Baffle Women. So everybody was with an NFL club, sort of an internship with the fellowship, with the, uh, the Walsh Fellowship. So that's why we want to bring you in. And so I wanted to just kind of figure out what the experience was like and how well uh, everything went out since, since everybody else has had very positive uh, experiences
3: yeah it was it was an unbelievable experience um it was to be one of the eight who uh were out there representing women with the n f l um the jets organization itself was um unbelievably phenomenal so um you know they they were great to us uh we learned a lot while we were there and uh it, it was it was just an incredible experience and uh I left with an even bigger football knowledge that i went in with and that's really all you can ask for.
1: Now, Callie, um, everybody's going to ask you a question, and we'll ask you the question, uh, are we hanging them up and we're going into coaching mentality, <laughs> kind of like Phoebe and, and now Katie's in coaching? So that'll be the big question here that's, because coming into 2018, Diva fans are going to want to know, you know, do we have Bronson on the roster or we don't?
3: You know, that's that's a, that's a great question. And, um, you know, I've kind of told myself right now that, that I'm um, – yeah – ideally gearing towards focusing on coaching but uh the bug always seems to bite you around January or February so I I haven't completely settled down on that answer quite yet um but I I am very I feel very promised promising about if I decide to go with coaching or if I decide to play again that either would be a good choice for me and um I still have it in me to play if I wanted to do that so you know it's definitely an option it's something that I've allowed myself sometimes to digest and let it come to me. So, like I said, when the when the bug starts to hit around January or February, I will make a decision.
1: All right, Callie, let's get serious here. The Jets are better than the Giants. Did you expect that? And are you like, yes,
0: gangrene is <laughs> good to go.
3: I, of, of course <laughs> I did. You know, of course I expected that. I've been been gangrene since day one, but no, it's, it's been really cool to see how they've evolved since preseason and and you guys have watched football and known football long enough to know that all you can do is laugh at, at the speculation that happens in the preseason. And, uh, you know, we were really confident with, with the things that were going on. And um, the, like I said, the Jets are a phenomenal organization. And it was just a, a cool process to see how they transition through preseason into regular season. And uh, very proud of the guys and, and, and fortunate to uh, to have been a part of that.
1: Now you're okay, right? You're not converting to a total Jets fan, or are you literally converted now as a Jets fan? I, <laughs> hey,
3: you know, I I always say I remain a football fan, so I guess that's the best answer <laughs> I can give you without making anybody mad. But yes, I I'm uh, a football fan. We'll just keep it as bad.
1: Well, I'm assuming Troy's not gonna like that because he's a Redskins fan, so he would assume you you'd oh, uh, be man. ready for a Raven to Redskins. <laughs> oh
3: man, hey, I'm sorry, hey, bro. it's all right. Hey.
2: Hey, listen, I always can appreciate a football fan. As long as someone says they're exactly. a football fan, I'm right with you. That's
3: it. That's it, yep.
2: Kelly, so Kelly
1: sort, of a transition, sort of a transition for the Divas this year. Uh, Hamlin leaves, but uh, Congoletti, uh, Amanda played well also. Uh, you yeah. know, not enough to get you deep in the playoffs, but she did play very good ball this year. So what, what can you say about your new quarterback?
3: Uh, there's, I mean, there's so much potential there, and and I don't say that in the sense that she hasn't filled it because she really did. She stepped up, you know, her first year, and it was her second year with the Divas, but really her first year having to step into a leadership role. You know, when she was with Philly, um, you know, she was she was a leader for sure, but she stepped into kind of a different organization and um and, and was was challenged every day with the divas and uh they you know did a really good job her first year with us even though she wasn't in a quarterback role of putting her in really, really important positions so that she got used to it. Um and you could see her mature through that first year and then when she came in her second year and the job was hers to fight for, uh she stepped up. the, the kids got so much passion and, um, you know, she's the kind of person who you know when the game is on the line is going to try and find a way to win, try to find a way to put us in the best position possible. And she's going to continue to work to fill the gap of that passion to the talent and to the skill and to the football IQ that's needed for her to be one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And I'm telling you, you guys are going to be saying her name a lot uh, in 2018 and 2019 and 2020. She's going to go forever. She's going to be, um, I, I think, definitely a WSA household name.
1: Go ahead, Troy.
2: Callie, um, I want to ask you some questions about the Divas.
0: Now, you guys okay.
2: have really sustained some excellence over the past three years. I mean, you came up a little bit short this year, but two, the two previous years you guys won the championship, you won it in dramatic fashion. How did you guys kind of build that winning, those winning ways? I mean, did it really start with the leadership in the locker room, and then how did it also kind of go into recruiting? when you were letting, you know, the new ladies that were coming in, show them the ropes and how how to gain a winning program like
3: that? Yeah, so, and, and the thing is, you know, prior to our first few championships, we we underwent, you know, some changing in head coaches, and that changes the coaching staff. And there was a lot of interchanging parts. And then, you know, we got settled in with Coach, coach Fisher as our head coach and got our staff and everybody really felt good in 2015 about things win the championship, we roll into the next season, and, and we kind of all had to come together and say, we want to do this again, and um, we're going to have to channel this this, this um, mentality of excellence, this mentality of, yeah, we won last year, but people are coming for us, and, and we did. We created that environment so that whether somebody came from another team or somebody was a brand, brand new to women's football, Sanders says they're walking into a successful franchise that was going to require – the best version of them possible, and it wasn't. You need to step on the field and be an all-star day one, your first day in a Divas jersey. But you need to to really try and be the best version of yourself, and that started in practice, that started in classroom sessions, that started in film study. And um, you know, there was so much support from the veterans to the rookies because at the end of the day, you're only as good. Um, you know, things happen on the football field, so can you really depend on those second, third, and fourth string players? Can you depend on the girls who are getting a chance? on special teams to, to contribute, um, you know, to save some, some of the veterans legs. And so they were super important to us. And I think when you're a successful team, people are going to rise, the people that you need and the people that, you know, belong there are going to rise to the occasion as much as you let them feel like they're a part of it. And that was a big thing to us too is letting all of these new players feel like they were going to be a part of something special with us. And we needed them in order to do that. And, You know, we really built a great culture in that and a a great culture for the girls, the brand-new girls, to feel comfortable and to feel like they were in an environment where they could become the best versions of themselves as a player and as a teammate.
2: Awesome stuff, awesome stuff. Speaking on your experience uh, that you had with the Jets,
3: talk to us a little bit about,
2: you know, some of the the duties that you had on the day-to-day and also, um, you know, something that you, you feel like that you learned that maybe you didn't know going into your
3: experience with the Jets. Yeah. And, and, you know, the cool thing is we, we were in the grand scheme of things. It's it's very cool to talk about women being involved in, uh, you know, in the NFL. And it's really, it's awesome. But, you know, at the end of the day, we were just everyday average people there. And um, I liked that. I thought that that was great because, when you normalize the fact that there are females in the building in a more football role, it, it becomes a normal conversation. It doesn't become necessarily as much of a spectacle. So, you know, we really liked kind of being absorbed into the environment as if, you know, we were just anybody else who, who qualified for the position rolled into the, into the, into the building. Um, but, you know, our, our, our duties involved really being assistance to these pro and college scouts and um, learning and absorbing as much as we could about the process that is scouting. Um, the process that is uh, breaking down film in a professional setting. Um, and, and all of the guys were great. They took us under their wing, and, and they taught us, like, everything about all of the processes, the contract processes, um, just all of the nitty-gritty aspects that make their job what it is. Um, and, and, you know, they, they were long days. And, and, but the cool thing is when you love football – you can work a fourteen-hour day in an NFL facility and wake up the next day and not feel like you worked a fourteen-hour day the day before. You just pop right out of bed to go do it again. And um, you know, we, we were we were a small piece of that of that massive puzzle, but um, we really pulled a lot out of it. And 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 the and learning the scouting process and and being able to really pull as much information from those guys as we possibly could was a really phenomenal experience. And I, I,
2: I, when you said. That it felt like, it didn't feel like work, you know. No matter how long it, had been. that's that's when you're talking about love, right there. I, I could definitely appreciate absolutely,
3: that. absolutely, yes, absolutely. So,
2: so going forward in women's football, I mean, because we've seen women's football; it's starting, it's international now, it's everywhere. Where do you see the women's game going in the next three, four, five years?
3: Well, you know, it's a lot like. And this is something I'm not good at, so it may not be the best analogy. But it's a lot like taking care of a plant. I don't have a green thumb, so I can only tell you so much about that aspect. But for an analogy, perspective, <laughs> once you once you find the right way to nurture it, the right combination of of what you need to help it grow, you know, it, it really is a cool thing to watch. And that's kind of where we are right now in the game, both domestically and abroad, is is trying to figure out the right mixture of how to grow the game, how to nourish it, how to enrich the players as best we can to continue this, this culture of growth that we have. So we've had some really cool things that have been happening over the past few years, and we're starting to really see the effects of it, and I think that's awesome. And the example I'll use is you know, Team Mexico um, over the summer when we were in Canada. They were the sixth seed going into the tournament, ended up leaving with the bronze medal. I mean, nobody even thought twice about them, um, but they have taken – their time over the past few years to find the right combination of what they needed to be successful and to find success. And like I said, the cool things we've had going on are women's world football games and these cool camps and so forth that are going on. And, um, you know, it's awesome to see how we're starting to fight in the right combinations of things because women's world football games is also great internationally, but it's been so beneficial here as well, because there are, you know, one of the biggest problems. And we talk about this a lot that we see if I had to name other than money, putting all money and finances aside, one of our biggest struggles in women's football is quality of coaching because it's hard when, you know, this actually does have to do with money. We can't pay coaches to come out to get, you know, quality of coaches, to pull guys away from high schools and to pull girls away from other programs and stuff that's going on. So, you know, that's been a struggle for us. So to be able to pull those girls out of some of those – programs who maybe aren't as fortunate as the Divas or Boston um, or Dallas to get great coaching to be able to spend a week with some of the best coaches that USA football has to offer because then they take that knowledge and they take it back to their teams and they're able to enrich it. And that happens over time and it accumulates. And you start to see the growth of some of these organizations. And I think that, you know, it takes patience. It takes continued investment in the growth. And I see really, really, really positive things happening in the women's game as long as everybody keeps trying to find that perfect mixture for growth.
2: I think we already asked you before as far as what is – what may be in store for you in the future, but I just want to – I want to just – I'm going to try to corner you a little bit. Where do you you (laughs) see yourself going? I mean, you have all of these awesome experiences, I mean – you you play, you know, you're playing women's football, you were an all-star, you, you, you're you going in the Hall of Fame, I, in my opinion. Where do you see yourself, and now you've also had, the, you know, a chance to coach with the Jets, where do you see yourself going, like, I mean, are you going to be one of those that, you know, you kind of have your hands all the one thing, I mean, all in, in different things, or are you going to concentrate
3: on one thing?
2: How is it going to go for your future?
3: You know, my kind of short-term plan, because it's so hard to project because, you know, life is crazy and how it how it twists and turns and the opportunities and the doors that open for you when they open. Um, you know, my short-term plan is just to stay involved as much as I possibly can and continue to learn and continue to grow. Uh, the opportunity with the Jets was something that was so phenomenal, and I pulled a lot out of it. And... and, and and, you know, you can only continue to work and hope that, you know, that opens other doors, whether that be at the high school level, the college level, the NFL level, whatever it may be. Um, but, you know, to, to really answer that, yeah, I, I want to keep my hands in as many different departments as possible because I think that that grows you in the overall development. You know, one thing I learned with my time, you know, in New York was um, every department and every facet of that team is dependent on the other. So the more you know about what happens in operations, the more you know what happens in scouting, the more you know what happens in coaching, the more you know what happens in, in video, the better job you do in your specific department. So if it was really up to me, I'd like to keep just working my, my way around, you know, and learning as much as I can in each of those places um, so that so that I can then, you know, be, be more beneficial and, 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 and grow in the sport a little bit more and grow in, in what it is that is football again whether at the high school college or NFL level uh, you know, either or uh, I guess the, the short answer to that is you know I'm just going to keep pushing and, and every single opportunity that opens I'm just going to try and sprint through the door and um, and, and just kind of see where it goes football is a really cool thing and um, at any level that you see it at you know I was able to coach at the high school level so I was able to see it there too it's the same thing opportunities happen in a split second and you know, you have to be ready to jump through it and be ready to do the best possible job you can. So I'm just really trying to build that foundation so that when those opportunities come, I'm ready for them, no matter where it may be.
1: Awesome. Awesome. All
3: right, Kelly, um
1: a lot of, you know, a lot of gold medalists for the three teams in Team USA, a lot of players from those teams now going into the internship programs, you know what I mean? Not necessarily players, but, yep. uh, you know, former players. So, we talked about the quality of individual that needs to go into the programs because, you know, when Sam started all this, I'm pretty sure this wasn't just, okay, we're just going to take whoever. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because there's a qualifying status here as to who, who can get an opportunity with an NFL club because you, you have to make a, an impression, uh, not just on the football side of things, as she was saying before, right. but you also have to make an impression as an individual that can come in and contribute to an organization to get them to be more successful than they are now. So I think that, that myself, we get to that stage where, um, you know, we're kind of excited. This is the first, if you want to call it the first batch of cookies. <laughs> yes,
0: we're kind exactly. of excited
1: as to who the next batch, you know, in 2018 is going to be, you know, the, the wave of, of players. There's a lot of players. Uh, you mentioned it, you know, there's a lot of players from, you know, awesome organizations in, in women's football. But there's a lot of players on the three teams the three gold medal teams that obviously are have already contributed in some form or another either on the youth level the high school level or the you know junior college but they're working their way towards the rankings and the opportunity now that you have the fellowship or the internship uh being afforded to you that's even a greater honor uh for anybody that's played on you know the the gold medal teams
3: Yeah absolutely and that's such a great point because Uh, You know, the way that I see it, and and we had such a, like, the eight women, you know, that were a part of it this year was such a great group, and I've been able to get to know all of them on a personal level, and it made me smile as the name started coming out uh, as who it was, because I I couldn't think of better people, and at the end of the day, you know, you make a great point, and, and the way that I geared myself before I left to go there was making sure that everything I did there was not only to make a good impression about myself, but to make a good impression about just women being in the building in the first place. And if you start to change your mentality to think that this isn't just about making sure that I leave a good taste in these people's mouths about, about women knowing football and and that they have a great impression of me, but, but also making sure that they, this is, this is opening the door a little bit wider for the next, the next one. This is opening the door a little bit wider for the next one. And when we all act like that, when we all, you know, treat our day like that and every single task like that, like, I'm opening the door a little bit more for the person who's coming next. Um, you really, you really do leave a, an impact that you want to. Um, and, and that's so important uh, to do. And, and, and you're right. It's so much more about than knowing football. It's understanding your place in that organization. You know, it's, again, like I say, like, it's really cool that, you know, women are involved and so forth, but at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's still just, are you doing a good job? Are you a good coach? And, and I see a lot of these things come out as articles come out about, women being involved in the NFL, and I sometimes, and and this was a rule of mine a long time ago not to just because of how the internet can be sometimes to never read the comments, but sometimes I find myself doing that, and I started to see some things that were actually really promising where people were commenting saying, okay, that's great, but are are they good? That's all we care about, you know, and so you're starting to see this slow shift away from, it doesn't matter that they're women, are they good at their jobs, and that's kind of what we're trying to do here because you stop screaming that it has to be about anything other than the knowledge of football. Are they hard workers are they ambitious? Are they bringing quality characteristics to an organization that are ultimately going to benefit that? The more we normalize this topic, um, you know, the more the more those doors are going to continue to bust open. And that's really what we're going for. So you're right, having the right candidates. And, and it's cool because, you know, Team ASA, you're chosen of course off of your talent and being the best players in the country. But the other filter is, you know, are you a good teammate? Um, You know, are you coachable? Are you willing to learn? Are you willing to grow? Are you willing to set aside your differences because you're probably going to be playing on the team? You know, I played, especially 2017, one of the people who was on the field with me all the time was Liz Landry from Dallas. And she was like, you know, the enemy across the field two championships in a row. And it's like, it didn't matter to either of us because, there to play football together and those kinds of characteristics of people integrate really really well into a professional system like that because you have to put your ego aside and put all of it aside and say we're all part of the same team and i'm just here to contribute and do my job so those characteristics pulling from the from the people from team usa absolutely match up to what it what it takes to be able to leave a good impression in in the nfl in college and even in high school
1: yeah. And the reason I bring that up is because that is a great starting point because these individuals have earned the highest honor in terms of just not the gold medal, but the the invitation right. to represent your country. So when you yeah, walk into an NFL setting, you know what I mean? It's almost a, almost like an Olympic status mentality. You know what I mean? Where you're like, yeah. okay, this is not just Mary Jane out of, you know, out of the streets of whatever city. Right. This is, you know, Callie Branson, three-time gold medalist and represented our country. You know what I mean? It's like a totally different mindset.
3: That's a great thing to say, too, because you're right. It's almost like like your unspoken resume um, about being able to entrust this person and and their their opinion and and the fact that, yeah, they've, they've been able to prove themselves on the proving grounds to know the game, play the game, be competitive, and so forth. So you're right. It was really like an unspoken resume.
1: Yeah, and that's it. Credibility is the only thing I'm saying, because that's where I think Sam's whole vision is. You know, we need to get credible yeah. individuals in there, but also with the same token, like you said, they will bring uh, whatever specialty they have to the table, whether it be administrative
0: Absolutely.
1: or, you know, vision. And I think that's the key for it. So um, it's great that you guys now, Kelly, two divas into the fellowship. That's got to say a lot about the organization and
3: the ownership and everything. Yeah. And, and, and the news organization was really great and really supportive when it happened. And, uh, and, uh, you know, we're behind us a hundred percent and it was, yeah, that was, that was a really cool thing to happen. And, and yeah, I think it speaks leagues about, um, about the divas and, and kind of the people that, you know, are, are farmed in that organization and grown through, through everything we went through and, um yeah i think that's another you know great point that's another kind of unspoken resume category for us was was that and 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 it was great to be there with rachel rachel somebody who i've spent my entire career with uh with the divas so you know we know so much about each other and she was an awesome candidate to be there as well and she brought a lot to the table and, and contributed heavily right off the bat and um, she's a hard worker and a humble worker and, um, you know, she's another one of those people that's just a no brainer to be the right kind of candidate for that, for that.
1: So now the divas, uh, tra- are transitioning basically, if you want to call it that, because the uh, Hamlin era is over. When's is it gone. As far as we know, I don't know if she'll return, Right. but you know what I'm saying? The one, two punch, which would be, you know, oh, you're yeah. Peyton Manning and, oh, yeah. you know, It's gone. So um, 2017 was not a bad season. We had some very competitive uh, competitive games against Boston, as you always do. And so uh, that rivalry, I think, is going to, you know, that's one of the the best rivalries probably in women's football in the U.S. in terms of competition. Um, So where do you see you guys this coming 2018, Callie? Uh, Is it more of the same because of, like Troy was saying, because we have something already in place? Uh, people are going to be, you know, coming in embraced. They're going to get an opportunity and all that. And then, you know, you're going to compete again pretty much at this point because that's – you guys, even though you don't have, uh, as they say, the the crown, you are still being considered in the women's game as one of the top elite teams.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I think this is a really promising year. I think last year was kind of the the testing grounds to see – You know, what we were capable of, um, you know, post having Allie and post having Ashley and and, and other small changes here and there. I think it was a big testing ground, and all of us were obviously, I don't want to say the word pleased because after you win two back to back championships, anything less is not satisfying enough. But if you really evaluate it from a football perspective and and every obstacle that had to be overcome, um, there's a lot to be very, very, very happy about and very, you know, uh, there's a lot to think about with the future and, to, and a lot of positive things came out of the season. And, you know, we saw a lot of growth from Amanda from game one um, to, to our last game there in Boston. And and uh, I, I see some really great things in 2018. And, um, you know, I don't want to be biased, but I really, really, really feel confident um, that you're seeing the Divas late in the playoffs, potentially in the championship, um, there's a lot of foundation stuff that was put in place in 2017, and they never stopped once the season stopped in trying to continue to solidify that foundation. So a lot of it, a lot of work has been put on, you know, put in in the off season, not just with the players but with the coaches. And the great thing that has helped us be successful in this organization for so long is um, acknowledging the weaknesses in. Um In the mentality of finding a way to fix them, so it's like when you have cracks in the foundation you, you find them and they're not always cool to point out, and it takes a lot of self evaluation but like I said, when we realized we had to be successful is when we had to realize to put the ego aside and that's happened a lot over the past couple of years and it's happening big time in the off season with all of the players uh who are returning from last year, taking a really deep look at what could I have done better? you know you know what did I leave out there on the field? You know, what do I have to improve on? What was my weakest point? And everybody's been in that mentality so that, you know, that's no longer their weakness. So I think you're going to have a more mature, more developed um, Amanda quarterback. There's still a talented receiving core. Um, There's been a lot of work in recruiting and filling in some of these gaps and giving, you know, some more athletes a chance to get out on the field. Now our defense, um, you know, is going to be solid again. Uh, A lot of returning people on defense. And they're they're hungry and they're mad and that's the worst. Thing. You know, I, I've had to play against that defense uh, for a while, and when they're pissed, it's not somebody you want to line up against. So they're ready. There's a chip on everybody's shoulder, but it's a chip on their shoulder in such a, a progressive way, and in a way that that is is going to inhibit a lot of positive change and positive momentum forward. So yes, I think I think that. You cannot you cannot count the Beavers out for a championship kind of season quite yet. I think this is going to be a really great year for the organization.
1: All right. So, Callie, um, last year you had injury, and then you came back from an injury. Uh, are we 100%? Yes, we
3: are. We are. I finally, um, I think in my older age, I'm starting to lose the stubborn bone in my body a little bit, or I broke it. I'm not sure. But I, I took the time that I needed to. The rehab and really take care of myself you know every other season I have um, I've had trouble taking time off and not staying training but um, you know things a lot a lot changes you know as you get a little bit older and, and keep playing this game and you you have to start listening to your body and um, it's one thing that I didn't do so well over the past year um, and in the past two years really since since the first injury I had that led into 2016 um, and uh, I started listening to my body a little bit more and I feel a lot better. I feel great. I feel 100%. So, you know, when that time comes and I, I make a decision, the physical aspect of it is is definitely not on my mind.
1: All right. Um, I know last year we saw uh, Allie on the sidelines. Are we doing the mentorship thing? You know, because a lot of the players have started to talk about that. All the players are starting to talk about the fact, even Holly talks about it on a weekly basis, the fact that, even if you walk away from the game in terms of physical play um you know the some of the players are starting to come back into the coaching aspect of just supporting the you know the franchise that you that you played for for a long time so yeah, is that I something that's I working out
3: yeah i think it's great i think that and it's something that i i am a huge advocate of league wide um you know it's hard for especially some of these big name players like Allie, Um, and and you see it across the league too. And and, and as you see some of these players, you know, hit the end of their maybe physical limitations, it's just hard to take away that hunger for the game. Um, And we've poured so much of our lives into a certain team um, that you you want to find a way to contribute even if you can't on the field. So, um, you know, there's just so much football knowledge in those players, you know, these playmakers and these big names. Um, that it almost seems like a waste for them just to completely walk away from the game when they can still contribute. Uh, you know, we saw it a lot. Kingetta Grigsby, you know, came back and helped out this year too uh, from a coaching perspective. And, you know, there, there's there's just so much in their minds that can be shared with some of these other athletes who are a little bit new and a little bit green. And, I, you know, my advice all the time to people when they hang it up is to find a way to stay involved in the game. The best thing you can do is to give back to the game that gave so much to you. Uh, that's the way that I look at it is to is to, to continue to contribute to something that gave so much to your life and, and help these players grow. And if by doing that, you're actually not just helping that player. You're not just helping that team. You're helping the sport. And um, that's so important, especially right now with where we are in the women's game. If you can come back and maybe not score five touchdowns a game, but help them get to a point where – you know they're putting points up on the board because you have the, the knowledge that you've instilled on them, then you have just done a ripple effect into the women's football game that is bigger than all of us.
1: Now WFA two, uh, three-tier system we talked about it very exciting. Um, I think it's just the right thing to do for the sport anyways, especially in the WFA. Yes. Your tier one, tier two, tier three, been successful for almost two years now. I think the commitment is there now to keep it going. It really benefits the lower-tier teams. You know, we talked about that in a, before we had, you know, in previous chats. So, overall, I think that's where the WFA, you know, the vision needs to go forward with um, keeping that mindset because each tier strives for a title, in which before we didn't right. have that. And now you're able to strive right. for a title. And that makes, like you said, yes. to your point, makes every organization better because you want to be the cream of the right. crop in whatever tier you're in. St. Louis, for example, you know, two years in Tier Two, are the numbers there for them to move to WFA One? We won't know, but it's a great thing to kind of ponder season after season if you keep this tier going, because there's a conversation about, you know, striving to get to the next level or go to the next division tier.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Look, I've been a huge advocate of the tier system. Um, You know, it's definitely something we've talked about before, and I always use St. Louis as as my favorite example of just how successful it is um they've grown as an organization whereas a lot of these teams are seeing were before the tier system seeing their seasons end um you know just because they couldn't beat the juggernauts and they just had no chance against the juggernauts so this has opened it up for for organizations to grow it helps them not just during their season but in the off season being able to recruit people um to be able to get sponsorships and start to grow their organization so that eventually they can move up through the tiers, and that's really what happens. Again, it goes back to you know strengthening your foundation, but you can't do that if you're getting knocked off every single year by teams that you don't you don't you don't necessarily stand a chance against. Yeah, I'm a huge advocate just like you the tier system, and I think that you know what what a lot of people are missing is the patience because it doesn't happen in a year where you see a whole lot of benefit. You know, it benefits a couple teams. It benefits a couple teams. There has to be some patience in this system. It's still new. It's still fresh. It's going to take some time for some other teams to benefit from the tier system, but it will. It will continue to grow these teams. It will continue to help these bubble teams uh, be able to solidify themselves a little bit more, get more people out for tryouts, get more recruitment, get more sponsorships, get better coaching. Um, but but it is a process, and it has to be trusted, and it has, there has to be some patience with it.
1: Yeah, the biggest obstacle, we already know, it's obviously money. But, uh, you yes. know, that's always something that's going to be a factor no matter what. Uh, whether you have enough money or whether you don't have enough money, there's always going to be a factor Absolutely. for something. But but the development phase of the sport, I think that's the beauty of it, since we don't have a youth level yet, and we don't have an, you know right. a high school level yet, and we certainly don't have a college level yet. So we have three levels that right. we do not have as a feeder system. So the only feeder system that we have now – is really the three-tier division system. Because at, at that Absolutely. point, you, if you get that based out, I mean, Utah football girls doing a great job out there, Indiana football girls. Um, you got Manitoba up in Canada. So there's a lot of organizations on the youth level um, that you said it's going to take time for you know to get the girls back and, and to get it to a normal state just like you're doing hockey or you're doing softball and all these other sports. So we don't have that yet. But we do have the excitement obviously of a three tier system where somebody can shoot for a championship. So uh so that's even better Absolutely. for us in terms of fans and as as players too, because you come in each year now understanding that you do have a shot at being number one, whether it be in the tier system. And so right. That's the beauty of the and sport the is end, to achieve something.
3: At the end of the day, if you're tier three or tier three championship camp champion, you still get a ring, the trophy, you still get all of that you still worked hard for it, and you're still the best team out of a big group of teams. You know, you're, it's not, it's not, it's not a small pond out there in either of the tiers. So still to be the best is to be the best.
1: Yeah. I mean, Arkansas, perfect, uh, perfect story last year, Orlando perfect story in tier, in tier three, you know, Arkansas had to go all the way to Oregon and then had to go to Pittsburgh. So, um, you know, with a 12 man roster and they made it, you know, and so uh, anything's possible. As you, as you said, as you focus and go there. Uh, Callie, uh, it's, I know it was kind of short notice. I always appreciate you making the time. Love your passion. We're always reading for you. And uh, the Divas in 2018, uh, are the, the trials are coming up, I believe, at the end of the month. And then, obviously, everybody yes. can get information where?
3: Uh, you can go to dcdivas.com. Uh, that's the number one. We update the website as soon as information comes out. If you're into the social media, it's DC Divas Football. Um, on both twitter instagram and uh, facebook and they are up to date everybody who's in charge of our social media does a great job all the flyers are up there as well as hot links to get in touch with our general manager and any information that you need is is definitely within those resources and uh, you know i encourage anybody who just wants to learn a little bit more about it if you want to try out obviously come out it's it's a great experience it's a great organization and
0: and anybody who's listening who's
3: not from the D.C. area, find your local team. And if if you don't want to try out, you don't want to play, find a way to support, come out to a game, uh, you know, just, just support local women's football. It's, that's the best thing I can say.
1: All right. Um, so, Kelly, really appreciate you making the time. Continued success. We look forward to more stories about next year with an internship or even a coaching opportunity like Katie Sauer's there. Um, So, you know, sky's the limit for a lot of, like we said, a lot of the uh, players that obviously got the opportunity to go into uh, the camps with the NFL camps as well. So a very exciting time for the sport, but more so uh, for individuals like yourself that we've interviewed before, giving you the opportunity, obviously, to go to another level.
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you very much.
1: All right, Kelly, thank you. Have safe travels out there. hope you get home safe. Uh, We'll chat another time. And looking forward to the 2018 Divas season, um, and see how you guys fare up.
3: Thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate it. See ya. All right,
1: take it easy. So that was Kelly Branson, um, Troy. Always informative, uh, always exciting. Um, and she's you know, had her struggles, injuries, re- rehabbing, came back last year, even without Hamlin and uh, Ashley Wisniewski. The the Divas with Amanda taking over. Was pretty good, pretty good season, I would say.
2: Yeah, um, the first time I, uh, man, I, I'll tell you, and she's right about um, you know going out to support uh, women's football because I mean I will tell you, uh, the first time I went out there, they went out and they they played so well out there. I mean, even though in the loss to Dallas, you saw the the, uh, the skill set of those ladies out there. Um, she wasn't out there that day; she was hurt, so she was in the booth um but man i mean yeah if you guys could just by all means when the season starts back up please go out and take a look at these girls i mean because they can really they can play some football they can absolutely play so it was it was a treat for me to watch that um but yeah i just you know i'm glad we got got a chance to get her on just you know she's so introspective and, and you hear we always have the ladies that come on and they're so passionate about the sport and and what they do it was just a real treat for us to have her on today
1: Yeah, and and you're talking to a three-time gold medalist here and two-time champion. So, like like I was talking about, you know, how all the women are getting the opportunity to go to the internship programs in the NFL. Uh, They're just not picking just anybody. You know what I mean? They're picking from the best of the best. And what what better way to start than from some of the Team Team USA uh, rosters?
2: Yeah, I mean, the – you know the Team USA. Um, you know, just being an advocate for you know what the ladies' game is supposed to be, and you know the the um, you know the conference that they had last year. I just thought that was just fantastic, and it's it seems like you know there are a lot of avenues being open for ladies who want to be involved in uh, in, in the sport of football and in and, and so many different facets. So I'm just I'm really excited about the prospects of the future for the for the game.
1: Yeah, and you, you've seen her live. You've talked to her. She's had a great uh, career. Um, that's why I had mentioned to her what, what realm, you know, what road is she taking next? And a lot of them are going to go that route the same way. They're going to go into coaching, whether it be at the youth level or whether it be at college level. Or, and, uh, and some of them are going to get that big opportunity, like Katie Sowers got. And hopefully she's one of them because she's done a great job of uh, promoting the sport at the same time as an advocate for the sport. And, uh, like I said, a champion all the way around in in her personal franchise team and as well as in, uh, in the uh, status of Team USA.
2: Yeah, I mean, she's an advocate for the game. I mean, and you, what you, especially what, uh, you know, the NFL clubs did was they took the best of the best. They took, you know, um, the players who have been all-stars, who have been, you know, flying the flag for their teams, have, you know, been in that spotlight. So um, I just think that, them doing that has that's putting a big spotlight on, on, on this, on, on the sport in itself. And so just more and more people are starting to take a look at it. I mean, if you see our message boards and, and, um, you know, we're starting to pick things up and we have so many different followers, especially on the gridiron beauties, uh, site, um, on, on Twitter rather. And so it's just, I'm just loving to see how this game is starting to move forward and, and people like Callie are, are, you know, they're front and center on that movement.
1: Yeah, and you got Odessa. Odessa, you can't say enough about Odessa Jenkins, owner and player, and, and she's going to be a big impact. I can tell you that right now. She'll be the next impact there. And then you have, you know, Colette Smith, who's worked in New York Sharks for a long time. She's contributed to in the community. She's done her work as well in terms of, you know, from the IWFL to the WFA. Um, Rachel Hahn, you know, offensive Uh, minded individual as well and a great leader and a participant of two championships as well, Team USA as well. So um, like I said, uh, Sam is not just taking anybody off the street and going, Hey, we got to, we got to push these people in. No, she's literally looking at them in terms of, you know, what the sport can offer and who's the best fit to uh, own an organization and ultimately giving them an opportunity at another career. Basically the, the end, the end road there is to get them, to another level, uh, you know, personally.
2: Hello? Yeah, it's not just coaching either. It's it's really um, you also have that in the front office as well. Hello? And so I I thought that was just the best part of it. I mean, having that front office portion of it, um, if they are able to scout and, you know, being in the scouting department and um, and also, um, you know, uh, assisting to the GMs and just seeing how the franchises are run. It just—it's just a great avenue for both of
1: them. All right. Um, let's see if we got a – Hold on. I think we have a caller on. Holly, is that you?
0: Hello. How are you?
1: Hi. Who's this?
0: Uh, it's Stacy. Did I miss Kelly Bronson?
1: Yes, you did. You missed uh, Kelly Bronson. She just—actually, uh, just left.
0: Oh. Okay. I—I I, I just wanted to speak with her.
3: Tell her I'd love to meet her after a game so I could lick her cunt. I really like those
0: football oh players. Oh my god!
1: Like okay, Troy, can you can you tell these guys are just are, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me?
0: Oh, oh my god! Oh, oh
1: my god! I you know what? I apologize for even bringing this moron onto the onto giving them the airtime. Uh, should not even done that. Period. Uh, so I apologize for that. I don't know what the hell this person's thinking. What an idiot. What a total idiot. All right. Callie, um, apologize for that. Everybody listening to the radio, this is just, I don't know what happened there. I was trying to bring a caller in, thinking this is a legit caller, giving him an opportunity to you know, express some sort of opinion here, and this is what we get. What an idiot.
2: Oh, boy. All right. Uh, so, yeah, that's...
1: Yeah. Yeah. That, I'm, more, I'm just gonna pretend that anyways. Didn't. Uh yeah, yeah. so it's pretend that it didn't even happen. So we were talking about um how amazing she is and so we're looking forward to the 2018 season with the D C Divas and um I know they're gonna be competitive. Um you got new quarterbacks, new new um new receivers, and they're gonna be right in the mix uh, against uh, Boston and everybody else. So uh, that's gonna be exciting to do that. Um so troy, um let's see here, let's see um we had the Steelers uh taking care of the chiefs, so the the chiefs are the last to fall, so uh, what do you say about the Steelers taking care of the chiefs?
2: uh it's kind of their m o um you know, they play poorly against teams there where you thought that you know, they they should take care of pretty easily. And then the teams where they're the upper echelon teams, they, you know, they, they bone up and then they they make plays and they win the games. So, I mean, that the Steelers team is pretty hard to figure out. I mean, some people want to attribute it to Le'Veon Bell not being there in camp. Um, others just say it's a lack of leadership. And, you know, you got to have Antonio Brown who's a bit of a wild card. Uh, it's a little bit of everything that's going on there bens uncertainty uh, uncertainty in the offseason about whether or not he was going to retire but you know the one thing that they do is they can focus in, in a heartbeat especially when there's a big game is coming up but you know let's if the steelers can be a little bit more consistent uh they will save their fans a lot of you know uh a hair for them uh, tearing it you know the hair out of their scalp I mean cuz they they are driving those fans up there crazy but yeah, I mean, I kind of saw that coming. That's just that's just what they do. And then uh, Kansas City was, I think they were a little bit due. Um, Kansas City, they are, uh, you know, a hard football team, but they really don't play defense all that well. Um, they bend, but don't break. And then you know, with the Steelers, I mean, they have so many big play guys. You know, the, that that really that style doesn't really bode well when it when it comes down to matchups. So I kind of saw that one coming.
1: Yeah, I know. And it wasn't a shocker, I don't think, because we already knew, and yeah, you had mentioned it previously, that at some point Kansas City was going to meet some sort of a, a matchup team. And uh, just just shocking that it was Pittsburgh, since they had had not been playing that well. And all of a sudden they, they this is their game, they play well, and they take care of Kansas City and give them their first loss.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's um... – you know, we'll see how how Kansas City responds to it. I mean, again, they're they're not used to playing this well. I mean, they're they're used to being, you know, um, uh, up there in their division. But I mean, for them to start the season five and zero and the run they were on, I mean, that was unprecedented for them. And had they haven't done that in a long time. So we'll see how they rebound from it. If they can rebound and and keep it going, that'd be great. But if not, um, you know, we'll see if this kind of starts to spiral downward because, you know, what happens is in the NFL, I know it's a cliche, but it's a copycat league. They're going into a division game um, uh, on Thursday against Oakland. And anytime you have a division game, it's kind of a toss-up. And, you know, Oakland right now, they're real. So, you know, they need, uh, they need to win ASAP. And so if they can – Kind of copy a little bit of what the Steelers did and, and and use that formula For success then you know Oakland has a pretty good chance of winning it Especially in Oakland Alameda Hi,
1: right, Troy, uh The commissioner Everybody's kind of waiting on him uh, We had the protests Everything's going with the protests Continued protests uh, The NFL came out Hey we're going to support the players We're going to try to do community work here um, You know not going to stand for the flag, even though there's it's mandated in certain rules in their in their guide, you know guides. Um, just like you get fined for you know celebrations on the end zone or whatever. Nobody's been fined, obviously, for standing not standing up for the anthem and kneeling and stuff. Where do you think the NFL, the NFLPA, and now the fans? Where's that mixture of, you know, where where are they going? In other words, because this is this is looking to be like a situation where we're getting into a conversation a serious conversation about how we go forward right
2: yeah I mean so it's it's really difficult to figure that out and because you have so much vitriol right now and you have players who want to speak out and they're not being allowed to speak out and NFLPA is has um you know, filed, uh, you know, something against Jerry Jones to, you know, to basically – and I think they did it really to just find out exactly what their rights would be Uh, because I I believe that, you know, it does say something about, you know, standing for the anthem, but at the same time, um, you know, it's been allowed before. So it's it's just a really tricky situation. And then you also have a lot of players who – listen – when it comes down to it, they also have families to feed. And they, what they don't want to have is for them to be blackballed, you know, like a Colin Kaepernick um, and to be put in that kind of situation. But I just think it's going to be very interesting going forward. I mean, I kind of watched the clip of where Orlando Scandrick, he was not happy. He was not happy as far as, you know, um, and he wasn't able to express himself, but he wasn't happy with about Jerry Jones' stance. And so there are going to be some malcontents. And of course there are already fans who have expressed their their dis- 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 dissatisfaction for with it and it's just going to be a mess going forward. I just but I don't see the protests going I don't see it going away. I think there're still going to be some players out there who who are going to stand up for their rights and they and they feel like that they have to. And I just think I really applaud them for, you know, their stance on it and standing up for what they believe, especially since, you know, the league has chosen to to also fight some different battles um, that may not be the same as the players like them. But, you know, I just – I really hope that what comes out of this is people start to listen because, in the end of the day, that's all we're – we as in black people are asking for is for somebody to listen and to understand where we're coming from, and the more people so don't Troy, to listen, I just think the more more people will will continue to protest this.
1: Troy, what do you tell that fan that says I don't want politics in my game? I don't want anything to do with politics in the game on game day. That's really it's really the other argument, right? The the argument is, don't want this on game day. This is this is entertainment. This is time off from everything else around the world, everything that happens around me, and whatever. We understand what the protest is about. My my thing is now is, like, how do you get that fan or the fans at this point, if if they are a majority, which it seems to be that they are a majority, that they don't like this politics in their game?
2: Well, the, you know, the, the, the politics have always played a role in the NFL and in, in all the sports. I mean, you've seen this in – uh, a variety of different ways uh whether it be you know if the champion goes to the White House, you know that's completely political, but it's okay you know for that for those kind of things to happen so I understand what people are sitting back saying they say, listen, this is my you know this is my respite, this is my you know time away from you know real life and I think yeah, that's exactly. actually why the player the, I think that's why the players are doing it is because you know on one hand these guys, I mean, I understand that, you know, people want to have their entertainment, but at the same time, you also have to understand that these are also human beings. They're not just, you know, uh, you know, uh, a puppet, you know, for you to, you know, for your enjoyment. They're not a toy. They're human beings. And so they have human feelings and, and they have people who are going through things. And if, they feel like there's an injustice to that. I just feel like for them to use that platform to speak up on it, I just think, to me, it's – I think that's the best way to use your platform is to bring light to things that they feel, especially when an injustice has been done.
1: Troy, how does this get fixed? You're an owner. Let's say you're the NFL. One side says, I don't like my politics in the game. The other one says – Hey, you're not standing up for you know police brutality and kneeling. So I'm not gonna you know I'm talking about the boycott on both sides. It's like one's gonna boycott because you're not doing this, and the other side's boycotting because you're not a, you're not a supporting this. Uh, where does the shield go? Is the ratings gonna go down? Are they gonna lose money? I mean, what, what is the what do you see as as the issue here? Because you got two two sets of fans that would I consider at this point one supportive for the cause as you and Myself as stated before, it's not a problem kneeling because we know we understand why they're doing it. We also understand it's a big spotlight. We also understand that it brings attention and big attention. But you also have the other side that says, you know what, you're disrespecting. I don't want that. I don't want that as, an, as part of my entertainment. I don't want to see it on on game day, et cetera. So the NFL is kind of stuck in the middle, don't you think?
2: Um. They're stuck in the middle because what they have incorporated was the finance aspect to it, and and it's, un, it's it's inevitable. I mean, that's what they're in. They're in the business of making money. Now, what happens is this: the owners, and I believe all thirty-two of the owners out there, really can look at what the players are doing and why they're doing it and understand it completely. The reason why that they are getting upset about it is because the people who not just the people who buy tickets and watch the games, honestly, and I and I, I mean this, those people can be replaced in the eyes of the owners. The people that cannot be replaced are the people who buy the luxury boxes. So if you have a guy or a group of people who pay $150,000 to go to Jerry World and they have a seat license, and I think you have to buy those seat licenses for five years if you're going to have a, a suite at the stadium, and you're paying 150,000, um, you know, per game. Those people they pull a little, they pull a little bit away. weight. And so if they sit back and say, "Listen, you know, I'm not going to renew my seat license if this continues," Jerry Jones is going to listen to those people because they're the ones who add most of the revenue to his stadium. And so I think that's where it's coming in at, and that our owners aren't going to say that they are because the owners don't want to have this outlook that they are being held hostage. Um, you know, by by fans and and people who purchase um, you know these seats and suites from them. But I believe that's exactly what it is. Because especially down in Texas, I mean, listen, that's that's Texas. I mean, listen, that that is the most American place you can find. And those people, you know, the Texas, they, they love the flag down there, absolutely. And so, if anybody is nailing or standing or a fist in the air, they're going to be pretty upset. And so those those guys are coming in and they're leveraging. You know that they pay for these licensing, the, the licensing for these seats, and they're coming and saying, "Listen, we're not going to have it. You know, unless these guys, unless you take a stand on these guys, and I believe that's why Jerry Jones came out with the stance that he did. He absolutely loves This player. He's bought in. Like people sit back and say, he's bought in guys who have been um, have have had drug problems, who have beaten up women, who pulled guns on people. I mean, they cocaine props, all kind of things, right?" but then he has this no tolerance stance on that, and I believe it's solely due to him being leveraged by people who buy his sweets.
1: Do you think, uh, Troy, do you think that's happening to the NFL as a whole, the commissioner is having to deal with that? Because we're talking sponsors, advertisers, the whole nutshell, right? So they're in that pickle too, not just an individual franchise is in the pickle, but for the most part, they're in the pickle. And so... Well, that's what I'm saying. It's like, where is it, you know, they're in, the, they're in the middle either way because you either have to make a decision. If you go with supporting the player for the protests and the kneeling for for, for police brutality, there's one swing, and then the rip, you know, you, you're going to get backlash from something else. And if you go the other way, you're, you're doing this, and you're going to get community backlash from, obviously, other folks. So it's a, it's a tough call, and I don't think Goodell, even today, Dell hasn't even spoken on what type of decision they will take today. I think he spoke on we're meeting today just to kind of brainstorm everything, but we have no fix. So we're going to meet again for a fix. So it's it's it's, it's that it's that intense, I think, in terms of a decision.
2: Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is this is no by no means an easy fix because you know, in the eyes of some people, you damned if you do, you damned if you don't. Uh, the players look at it like, listen, you know, just. Just let us, you know, just hear where we're coming from. That's all they're asking for. And there are some people who just, they they don't want to hear that. And, they again, they have leveraged their position. I don't see an end to this anytime soon. I, I really don't. I think that whatever they do. There are gonna be people who are not happy about it and there are gonna be people who are gonna be ecstatic about it. And that's just, you know, that is the temperament and the climate of our country and our society to this day. And I just don't see any kind of fix short term or long term unless, you know, the only way it would be fixed is in in some people's eyes if the players stand for the anthem, but at the same time, even if they stand for the anthem, is that going to stop them from, from protesting? Are they going to find a different way to protest? Um, and I just don't, I don't see that happening. There is a mandate out by most of the teams, I think, um, or it's probably going to be, if not most of the teams, where they're going to tell their players to stand. And it's, it's, going, to be, it's going to be a problem. I mean, just like uh, you know, we looked at the ratings for uh, through week six, and they're down seven point five percent. The NFL has taken notice of that. Seven point five cent, percent is is a lot of people.
0: That's huge. A lot of people. <laughs> that's huge. Yeah,
2: and, and that's it is, and that's that's an enormous hit. And they are, you know, whether and what they're trying to figure out is if it is due to the protests, if it's due to um, you know, other factors. I mean, last year, the consensus was that the ratings were down because of, you know, everyone was paying attention to the election and, and most people bought it. And then now it's down from 7.5% from last year. Wow. I mean, that's, 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 that's an amazing drop.
1: So, right. you know, we have so it, many, so many platforms now to watch games, review games, uh, revisit games, download just so many avenues for us to just watch on our own leisure time, not to have to watch on the Sunday. I I think that's a bigger bigger factor to a ratings, because you got people on the weekend, you know, maybe doing something else and go oh, I I can I, I can always download the, the the game or the whole game or because I got you know a package or whatever and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna do that. So I don't know how they're taking into account the low ratings, whether it be just television only in in an aspect. So that's kind of a big question, you know what I mean? Because there's a, so many other platforms that are people using. Are they just going by one one scope of of of, of, of the reach? In other words,
2: well, well, I believe that if you if you are looking at the if you're watching, let's just say if you recorded it, if you TiVo the game, that still goes toward the Nielsen ratings. I I, I believe. Uh, don't quote me on a hundred percent, but it's just. I just think there's a lot of vitriol right now I mean, because you have two sides of people who are protesting the NFL. You have the people who are protesting the NFL because the players are kneeling. And then you have another group of people who are protesting the NFL because Kaepernick hasn't had a job. I mean, a, a lot of my friends who have been diehard football fans since I since they can remember have decided they're not going to watch football this year. And, I looked at, you know I went to the Redskin game uh this past weekend, and I'm looking around i mean the stands are they they it was a it was a lot of vacancies a lot of vacancies, and so if you it's really to the starting park? to look ugly.
1: Did you go forward to the? I'm
2: just kidding. It's so empty, you
1: can just get it. It's a it's a runway to the front of. <laughs> I know. It's been there. Yeah, I mean, l- l-
2: luckily I was luckily I was in the suite, so I didn't have to move too far. But I mean, oh, I, it, look, it was, look at you, look rude. at you, yeah, you know, rubbing <laughs> elbows.
1: What's
2: so you were, so <laughs> you were you were looking down you were
1: looking
0: down at those empty seats.
2: Yeah, you know, I had I had my nose up in the air, my scarf was blown of in the course. wind, I, you know. <laughs> Lucky
0: you, look at you. <laughs> awesome.
1: Oh boy. Um, and and let's just let's just go into this uh, before we talk, uh, you know, about the weekend game. Cap, uh, let's go with the opinion, okay? Uh, over the hill didn't play very well. He got let go of his contract. He deserves this. You know what I'm saying? That's one side. Then you have the other side right. that says potential good quarterback, a replacement on any roster based on you know his potential. And all of a sudden, uh, obviously we know he's got he's getting blackballed, right? That's just the facts. <laughs> so yeah, um, Aaron Rodgers goes down, <laughs> Troy, and I don't think anybody's picking up the the bat cap phone <laughs> to call him in to get replaced. Yeah, in the I mean, Green Bay as a matter so, of fact, you know what I mean? As a
2: matter of <laughs> Yeah, as a matter of fact, there was a uh, reporter who asked Mike McCarthy that, the head coach of the Packers. I know. And, uh, he he was not happy with that question, man. And, you would think, I mean, that would be a great thing, especially since – And it
1: wasn't, even, it wasn't even a positive response and saying, uh, we know he's available, he's a quality guy, but we got a backup here that we're going to go with. No, it wasn't even that. Right. <laughs> it was right. more like,
0: yeah. are you
1: kidding me? You're asking me this question? <laughs> Uh, well,
0: yeah, you know what I mean? It's like that
1: look, that look on your face. It's like you can yeah. tell he was just like, like you said, he was just not a happy guy with that question. Like, not at what? all. <laughs> not, not at all. Was, at all. I, I was laughing too when I saw when I saw that. I was like, that guy just got pissed off instantly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're not bringing your grandma as a backup?
0: What? <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, we yeah, already I mean, know, right? Um, the, grievance,
1: the grievance file, I, I, I personally think it's going to go nowhere. But it is, a, it is a good stance to review, in other words, to go with, because I, I understand you have the case, but then you also have to understand the fact that anybody really wanting on a roster, because even Seattle hasn't called him, and Seattle was the first team that almost gave him an opportunity. His his previous team, as I told Holly, <laughs> his previous team isn't even calling them, and we have some guy named CJ Berthard or something starting for the Forty ers Oh my God!
2: Yeah, yeah. Oh. I'm just, you know, I know what I mean? It's you, like you, you got to and... be
1: kidding me. This is beca- this is becoming a joke, <laughs> a real joke. Because the Niners yeah, I mean... could use a Kaepernick. You
0: know what I mean? Yeah. Hoyer goes
1: down. You could have used yeah, this The guy. Niners could use
2: them. The, the Browns could use them. The Dolphins could use I mean, there's
0: plenty the of The Browns? Are, I mean, are you kidding me?
2: The
1: Browns? Somebody
0: sent oh, me yeah, a tweet yeah.
1: saying – somebody sent me a tweet that his grievance should have been if he was part of the Brown squad. <laughs> yeah, I saw that one. That <laughs> was hilarious. Yeah. Oh, boy. But, yeah, Troy, it's, right, it's reality, right? I mean, he is capable of being on a roster. We all agree that. And he, is, he has potential right. – to be on an NFL roster, whether it be second string or, at this point, second string would probably be ideal because a lot of the teams are having issues with their main quarterbacks. And so, you know, there's, there's, there's a concern. Um, there's somebody, somebody tweeted me out, you know, Adrian, Adrian Peterson over the hill, uh, let's get rid of him. And then they sent him to Arizona and all of a sudden he blossoms in one game. So why can't we, not, why can't we make that assumption for Kaepernick? You know, give him a week back and yeah. to the a team, and figure out he's probably going to come on the field and maybe make an impact. Which I agree. I, I think mean, it's, it's reality.
2: Not to mention, we've just seen much, much worse quarterback play uh, Oh, I recently agree. from a lot of teams. I mean, it's just, I agree. It's been it's yeah. been
1: terrible. Yeah, it's been it has been terrible. But you got C.J. Berthardt starting for the Forty ers <laughs> Yeah, I, I think really, the owner uh, doesn't want. You know, I guess the owner doesn't want Cap back that bad.
2: Come oh, on, they, and they wouldn't
1: had, do that anyway. Yeah, York, I mean, they,
2: yeah, yeah, that guy's. That guy, yeah.
1: Genius. <laughs> we know. I'm a Ram. I'm a Ram fan, and I can tell you right now, I have no like for that guy. Just to let you know. Yeah, no like. I believe. <laughs> <you>. <laughs> Sorry, Holly. I know you're listening. I know you're hardworking. We're kind of just doing a niner bashing here. She'll be back next week and sort of give back to us. <laughs> but I, I, even she, she, she will agree, you. right? I mean, even she will agree that. Uh, you know, cap the Niners should have been calling Kaepernick like last week, if they knew they are having Hoyer problems. If they knew that, you know, now we're just what we're we're playing the game of ah, oh, well, you know, we did have this guy fifth rounder, you know, we're gonna give him a shot. We're gonna give him a shot. <laughs> okay, buddy.
2: Okay. Yeah, I just I mean, but, I, uh, I just think that the way that that
1: um,
2: the 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 way that the grievance is going to. Come down. It'll be very interesting because they seem like you know they're pretty confident that you know that
1: they have a case, and it is not. I believe it, Troy. I believe they do. They do have a case because, like we talked about, it's now the fact that he's blackballed. I could see if Seattle would have taken a shot. He goes to camp. He plays with the team, and then Pete Kale says, "You know what." he's not good enough to start, we're going to put him at third string, right? Then, you're, yes. then, then it's like, okay, he's good enough to be third string. But that still would have been okay because he's on a roster and he's uh, your third string um, quarterback. Not, not yeah. one of the 32 teams has even done that, which is pretty bad.
2: Yeah, I mean, and, and again, I, you know, I'm, I'm no lawyer, honestly. I know I, I nothing about the law. I mean, except, but you're in, in a box seat things. at the Redskins game. Too, hey, man, you know yeah, like that's say, close you to know, being a lawyer. Dude. Hopefully, I could bump into a lawyer just in case I need something <laughs> like that. I mean, that's the right place to be, right? So, but this guy, Mark, this guy Mark Garagos is, uh, uh, you know, apparently he's world renowned for what he does. So,
0: world I, renowned. I
2: just, I really want to want to see how this pans out because I think right now that the owners, I think that's why. they're, they're having a little huddle right now because they need to figure oh, out yeah. what they're going to do with oh, the yeah.
1: pit bull that they have on their tail there. Oh, yeah. No, no. And, and the issue is that. I mean, the issue is we've talked about it. I, you know, I'm a, a, one of the biggest patriots you'll ever meet, military guy and all, right? But I don't have a problem with the kneeling. I don't. I really don't because I understand the concept. I understand the attitude. I understand what you're, what you're trying to get a message on. A lot of people don't want their politics and support. That's fine. When it comes to Kaepernick, um, I can I, I just don't understand because the, the the kid's still young. Number one, he's got potential. So he had a bad season or two. Everybody has a bad season or two. That doesn't mean that somebody can't come back in and, and rebound, right? It's Just the way it is. So yeah, Hoyer's still here. I guess, nah, that's what I'm talking <laughs> about. You know, yeah, uh, I mean, are
0: still you here. give
1: you give RG3 a shot in Cleveland, and he he's no longer in Cleveland. So, yeah, you know what I mean. I'm just saying it's like that's the issue that I get into it. The fact that um, if you had to rank him in, in a quarterback based on stats and his career history, he is a, still a reliable quarterback. If you won't even call him that, you can't. I, I don't want to put him as a superstar quarterback because that's not that's not even just doesn't do him justice, right? He's not not even there. But he is a reliable, dependable quarterback. Somebody that can come off the bench and maybe help you out. Um, and obviously yeah, so under the right like, one, of course.
2: Yeah, and that's why it's going to be so interesting. I just, I mean, I really can't wait for this to play out because yeah. I will definitely be keeping my eye on this one.
1: And, and the one thing I'm looking at, Troy, is <laughs> I, I, it's almost like two guys boxing somebody, like, in a uh, in a bar, you know what I mean? There's, like, bully number one on the right side, bully number two, and there's Goodell in the middle. And so
2: that's where we're at. Yeah, good. Now, right now, this is the last thing he needed, especially since he has so much at stake right now because, you know, he's, he's up for renewal and the holdup right now is what is how he's dealing with this issue. And so, and, I, and right now, Jerry Jones is leading that charge as far as let's wait to to sign this guy to a new contract. So, yeah, Goodell, this is the, the the nightmare scenario for him. But if he comes out of this as a hero or unscathed, I mean, you got to take your hat off to him because, I honestly, I don't see a way out of this rat trap. He's damned if he does
1: or if he doesn't. Oh, yeah. People hate hey, him that's what I'm saying. Way. He's in the middle. He's in the middle, like between two bouncers. He's in the middle. <laughs> showing yeah. the, they're showing the fist. Is it the eye or the nose? Which one would you want or the gut? Tell us where <laughs> it's going <laughs> you know, right. no opposite' you know, kind of, i i don't i actually you know there are a lot of people uh, don't feel bad for' them. you know they don't really but I don't know some people do some people don't but uh bottom line is it's gonna be very interesting as you're pointing out very interesting what the end result will be with him the end result will be with the with the uh, filed uh grievance with Kaepernick and the n f l and so it's gonna it's gonna be one of those uh things to wait and see, but it's getting interesting. And so um, that's all that, you know, we we wanted to hear about and and expect on that. So, um, Troy, the AFC West at this point, how do you see that? Because the Raiders, I don't know, the Raiders are going south pretty quick right now.
2: Well, uh, KC is still the class of that division. And, you know, the way that they've played, is one thing, but the problems that the teams have had around them are just astounding. I mean, we last year, I mean, it was it was arguable that that was the best division of football, um, with even with San Diego and Denver kind of missing uh, missing the playoffs. But Denver was viable the entire year um, until Simeon went down, and right now you're starting to see Denver kind of do the same. Thing that they did last year. I mean, they started off. I believe it was eight and two or eight and three, and they ended up not making the playoffs. Um, and right now, they're kind of looking that way. I mean, they lost to the New York Giants. I mean, the, the Giants that ca- they came in with no receivers, no receivers, and they just they came in and beat them. And it it didn't even look it didn't even look very difficult. It didn't look like the Giants even broke a sweat winning that game. And so. What, what are they going to do? What are they going to do? I mean, that, that has to be one of those demoralizing losses. And I, I'm very interested to see how they're going to recover from that uh, going forward because if that that game was about as ugly as it got.
1: Troy, I don't know. I, I, I know you don't want to talk about this, but uh, Philadelphia, after the loss to the Chiefs, here they are, a win over the Giants, Chargers, and Cardinals. Uh, none of those were as impressive as obviously the Thursday game against the Panthers, uh, which they had to pull out 20, uh twenty twenty-three. So um, are the Eagles, the front runners in the NFC?
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, you got to give it to them right now. I mean, um, you know, initially most of them said Atlanta, but Atlanta ended up dropping the ball also. I mean, so, you know, who knows what you have out there in these other teams, but as far as consistency, the, the Philadelphia Eagles have been consistent. And they look strong on both sides of the ball. They've always been a great special teams uh, team. Uh, they had some issues in the secondary last year. It seems like that they, they have that sh- kind of shored up despite some of the injuries that they've had. And right now they are riding high. And, and so what you have is a huge Monday night game coming up between them and the Redskins. I mean, the Redskins have to go into Philadelphia to play this game at the link, And that's going to be a great NFC battle but I think you can point to one player um, specifically and point to that turnaround and that's Carson Wentz. I mean, he looks like, I honestly, last year, I didn't see it. I said to myself, I mean, yeah, he's made some plays, but I'm like, okay, you know, we'll see how his progression is to me. You're not a viable quarterback until you get to that year two. And sometimes you see that year two, it's, um, you get that sophomore slump, uh, he's not a quarterback, but you saw that with Todd Gurley last year. I think a little bit of that was how he was used. Uh, But, man, Wentz has kind of moved himself to the upper echelon. I think you can start talking about him as a top-ten quarterback at this point. How are they going to fare, though, against the Redskins team? Now, they're a little bit – the Redskins are coming in there out, man. But, listen, man, they have played tough. Every single game that they played this year, I mean, they took the Chiefs, who I thought were the best team in the NFL, they took them right to the brink. This is an NFC battle, so both of those teams, they know each other. The, this is not one of those things where you kind of got to feel each other out. It's going to be a battle, man. So, right now, the Eagles, are, they're looking to really put themselves way out in front of everyone. Dallas right now, they're 2-3, and three, the Redskins are 3-2. and two. Um, So, this is going to be one of those games where the Philadelphia, they want to look like, they want to try to spread out their league and if they win this game, that's going to go a long way toward moving moving toward that NFC East title and also a playoff berth
1: that goes along with that. Troy, right in the neck of your woods, uh, Joe Flacco, you can say yuck this year. I think it's four touchdowns, eight interceptions through six games, just killing the Ravens.
2: Yeah, um, I think you can point solely to his, his wide receivers that they have out there. I mean, Oh man, it's, it is not, that's not a, that's not a pretty situation there in Baltimore. Um, you know, you have Mike Wallace out there. You have Jeremy Macklin. Both of those guys are pretty much over the hill. Um, there's a reason why Macklin was let go from Kansas city. And um, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, Mike Wallace, he's kind of bounced around the league to, to Miami and, and um and other places i mean like the uh, the vikings so, so Troy, they don't really have a whole lot of Troy, on, on the, on the voice position
1: your voice sounds like there's really no yeah. nobody there yeah <laughs> it's,
0: that's I mean, he's that's, like a he's alone that. and he's like
1: somebody cuts the ball somebody cuts the ball help yeah. me help me
0: <laughs> right. uh, but they they're, they're
2: tight they're, tight they're playing they've been bad. hurt two years in a row I mean, you yeah. got Alice Collins, who they got from uh, Seattle. He's a he's a pretty good running back, but he can't, he can't stop fumbling the ball. They've had a turnover problem the entire year. They end up losing to the hapless Bears. I mean, that's, that's just an embarrassing loss, and they did that at home in front of their fans. I mean, that's just – that's not a good way to go for the Ravens right now.
1: I know Baltimore cannot call Kaepernick right now because uh, Flacco's rating is still at 66.1, so it's pretty decent, right?
0: No. Flacco <laughs> <laughs> you
2: know, right. looks bad, but listen, they they've invested a hundred million in that guy, so they're
1: gonna have to ride or die with him. <laughs> oh, I knew that. Knew news coming. Um, all right. So, so, who's the worst team? Is it the Browns or the Niners? That's the question.
2: Well, the, the the Niners have been incredibly competitive. I mean, five uh, five games in a row, they've lost by three points or less. So they've been competitive. I mean, a uh, uh, you know a kick here and a tackle there. I mean, you know, they, they easily could be five or one in the surprise team in the NFL. The Cleveland Browns can't get out of their own way. I mean, no matter what they do, they they have just become the ultimate uh, picture of futility and you know they they didn't really stand a chance going on in Houston. And I think most people would have considered that. But right now it's just it just doesn't seem like Cleveland is interested in winning football games. Uh you know, you bench your quarterback, Deshaun Kaiser. Uh you bring in uh my hometown guy, Kevin Hogan, who's who's from right here in, in uh in Virginia. You brought him in there, you know, because he you know, played pretty well last week and he comes in this week against Houston and throws three interceptions. Against a team who have they lost two of their best pass rushers last week. They couldn't get out of their own way. Are they going to go back to Kaiser this week? Who knows? I mean, I just think Cleveland right now is far and away the worst team in the NFL.
1: Yeah, I'd have to agree. I don't think Holly's team is horrible. They just had bad breaks. They could have won at least two or three games of those close games, but they just, you know, bad breaks on their part. So I don't think they're I mean, you know, before, a horrible team.
2: Before they actually won, Last night, I would have said the New York Giants were the worst team in the NFL. I mean, they – man, they, they
1: – I mean, talk about – I don't want to talk injury. about that, Troy, because I didn't even start any Giants on my fantasy squad, on, and I got shafted. <laughs> these guys just shafted yeah. me. I went with Denver and it just disappointed me, like, all the way around. And said, "They there going, seriously, you guys show up now? What? Yeah, I, I, I
2: don't understand any of these NFL teams, but that's the great thing about this league. There's so much parity, yeah. and uh, you never know what you're going to get week to week.
1: All right, Rodgers goes down the uh, Packer panic button on with uh, what's yes. his name, Brett Hundley from UCLA. <laughs> yeah. Yes,
2: yes. And, but listen, I mean, I guess the one thing that Packer fans can point to is that, you know, um, when it happened a few years ago where Rodgers broke his collarbone, they still ended up winning games. They got to the playoffs until Rodgers got back. I don't think Rodgers is coming back this year. I think he's pretty much out for the season. So, Brett Hundley is the guy. The good thing that they have is that Mike McCarthy knows how to coach quarterbacks. And also, Brett Hundley has been in that system now for two years. He's, he's you know, he has a, a grasp of the system. We'll see how he executes it. And I think that will be the biggest thing. Um, so, he didn't have a very good game. He had three interceptions. I don't think people should really go into panic that much about that part of it because I'm pretty sure Aaron Rodgers got every single snap of every minute of Brent Humley's career when it comes to doing preparation for the week. So this week Brent Humley he'll be getting all the snaps. He'll you know, he'll get the game plan. He'll he'll you know, he'll coordinate it. He'll see if they can steer the ship. I think the problem I'm having is I don't really have a whole lot of faith in Green Bay's running game to take the pressure off of them, not to mention the running backs are lacking. And you also have so many injuries on the offensive line as they usually do every year. So I just think right now the panic button is mashed down from the fans perspective, but Mike McCarthy, you know, he's a quarterback whisperer. So we'll see how he deals with Brett Hundley being under center. All
0: right. Um,
1: Adrian Peterson emerges in Arizona. Is it the Saints just, didn't understand this guy because obviously Bruce Arians, uh, Bruce Arians put him in into a David Johnson type of offense. And here we go. He fully blossoms.
2: Yeah. I mean, the saints, I mean, Sean Payton definitely didn't, he definitely didn't know how to handle Adrian Peterson. And I think the problem was not necessarily Adrian Peterson. I think the problem was, um, uh, kid from Tennessee that they got, um, He's man. They they fell. He fell into his lap. Um, they met each other at the at the, at the Senior Bowl. Uh, Sean Payton and oh man, what is the kid's name? Um, I forget his name that quick. But I think that was the issue. Is that the they had too many running backs back there. They're trying to make everyone happy, and you, you just can't do that. You had three running backs. Adrian Peterson is the type of back where he's going to have to get carries for him to be even more effective later on in the game. And uh, Alvin Kamara, that's the kid's name. Uh, So Alvin Kamara, when he was drafted, Adrian Peterson was already picked up as free agency. And he really wanted to get um, Alvin Kamara on on the field because he's so dynamic as a runner. He can pretty much do everything. And, you know, so that kind of – put everyone in flux, including Mark Ingram, who ran for over a 1,000 yards last year. And, you know, while everyone is really taking a look at what Adrian Peterson did, you can also look at the Saints team and you see what they did. Mark Ingram, he ran for 114 yards and two touchdowns. Alvin Kamara, he had, uh, from scrimmage, he had over 100 yards as well. So I think both teams actually won in this one. So, you know, Adrian Peterson is happy being out in the desert. The Saints are happy because they get a better balance in their run game, and they don't have to worry about someone complaining on the sidelines that they're not getting enough carries. And I just think it kind of worked out for both teams. All
1: right. So, Troy, my Rams keep rolling. Pretty impressive win uh, this week, 27-17. Wasn't that an easy win, but they did get – going in the second half against the Jaguars, and we already knew the Jaguars are up and down, up and down, up and down, so that kind of worried me when they first came in. But overall, the Rams take care of business. They move into the top ten power rankings. Are we, or is my team, that good? Yes,
2: they are that good. I think they have settled down on defense. I think that was the biggest thing that they had to do. Um, I just think uh, uh, Son of Bum, uh, Wade Phillips, he had to kind of learn his personnel a little bit. Um, you know, he's no longer in Denver, so he had to learn what his guys are good at and what they're not. And you saw that kind of fundamentally in the first three games where they struggled a, a lot is trying to figure out, you know, how to stop teams. But they did a pretty good job um, uh, kind of confusing Bortles a little bit. They, you know, they forced their interception on on his end. They did allow Fournette to run 400 yards, but, that kid, I mean, he got most of that on one carry. I hate saying that because that carry does count, but you have to add into the fact that most of the day they did stop for net, except for that long run. Um, so they they did a pretty good job, kind of like bottling him up and and confusing borders at the line. But also, you got to take your hats off to um, you know for them to uh, start running the ball. I mean, Todd Gurley is their bell cow, and he ran for another hundred yards. This guy right now is kind of a dark horse for the MVP, in my opinion. Todd Gurley right now playing lights-out football. He's definitely in the top three as far as MVP is considered. And if they keep going through him, I think L.A. Can, can sustain this run. And that division right now is up for grabs for the taking. All
1: right, Troy, we get Thursday night, week eight. And uh, we get Thursday night on week eight. And I think it's – let me my notes – Dolphins, Ravens should be no reason Jay Cutler beats Joe Flacco, right? Based on what, how the Ravens are playing, we should have an easy Miami win.
2: Uh, well, listen, both of those quarterbacks are struggling big time, big time. Um, Cutler just got a uh, just got another win this week. Um. So it, it's it, it depends on which team is going to show up. You've seen uh, you've seen the Ravens kind of be up and down. Also, I don't think they found their footing yet. And so both of those teams are coming into it with a lot of questions. Are they go- really going to solidify up front? Is, is for for um, for the Ravens? So they've had some problems blocking on their offensive line. And so if they can sustain that. You know that'll be a, that'll be a feather in their cap, but right now they're struggling at the quarterback position and also at the wideout position.
1: All right, so are you looking forward to the Steelers Lions matchup this Sunday, Burger? Steelers Lions? Yeah, it's gonna be Steelers Lions on Sunday night. Um, so Steelers coming off that win against Kansas City, Lions I think were coming off a loss right to New Orleans this past week. So it's kind of a rebound game for no, Detroit if they want to stay in the mix. But uh, no, you're, Pittsburgh you're week seems eight. to be on right. Week you're eight, week right? Eight.
2: It's supposed to be week seven. It's week seven. No, I'm talking about week eight coming up here, right? Or am I in the no, wrong week? Week seven's coming up. Yeah, you're in the wrong uh,
1: So week I am like completely. My notes are just jacked up here. Let me just check. This. Oh, you're right. No, you're right. So we we got Chiefs Raiders Thursday. So I was I was a week uh, a week ahead. Uh, Chiefs-Raiders, so that's going to be pretty impressive because they're both in the mix. Raiders are struggling, and Kansas City seems, you know, after a loss, you would think Kansas City's coming back to get a win.
2: Yeah, and, and right now, um, you know, Oakland is, man, I mean, especially after Carr uh, got injured and they struggle in the beginning of the year, it things are looking really good for them right now. And so they definitely need this win. They need this win big time just so they can stay afloat. If they if they lose this game, you can pretty much write the write the Raiders off as far as playoff chances. I think that, that, that ship will have sailed at that point and Marshawn Lynch's homecoming will be spoiled. Um but if they win this then they're they still have hope. And with the talent that they have on offense for the Raiders, you, you would think to yourself, they definitely have a chance if they can go ahead and get some things put together. The only really added piece that they have on offense is Marshawn Lynch, and I don't think he's the issue. I think the issue is that they just haven't been executing. Um, they know Kansas City. They're a division opponent. Um, Kansas City is is looking for a bounce back game. I mean, they're pretty upset that, you know, that they lost to Pittsburgh and they felt like they could have had that game. Alex Smith is still complaining about the hit that Mike Mitchell put on him. And so he's a little bit he's a little bit fired up right now. So, you know, they have a quick turnaround and this will be a Thursday night game. It's going to be in Oakland. I'm definitely tuning in to watch that one. I want to see how both of those teams kind of translate from uh where they were in the previous week.
1: So, we get the matchup of Brady versus Ryan Sunday night Patriots Falcons. Um should be a good game. New England really really needs this game. Um and I think the Falcons it's a must win for them if they want to stay in in competition with the Panthers in that division.
2: Oh, yeah, it's a must win for both of those teams. I mean, initially we were looking at this game in the beginning of the year, and we were saying, you know, both of those teams may come into that game undefeated. And right now you're looking at trying to – both of those teams, Super Bowl teams, they're trying to find their footing. Um, uh, You know, the the Patriots barely pulled out that win against the Jets. And – that would have been an embarrassment. That would have been an embarrassing loss. And then, speaking of embarrassing, Atlanta, they took a big they took a big embarrassing loss last week. They really, you know, maybe they were looking forward to this New England game. I'm not sure, but this is a must win for both of those teams because the Jets aren't going anywhere. They're still in the rearview mirror for for the Patriots. And also, you got the Buffalo Bills. They're creep, they're creeping up also, and not to mention,
0: <laughs> believe it or
2: not. The Miami Dolphins are right there, so you know that division is really tied up right now. They're they're tight, and as you said for Atlanta, they have to keep pace with 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 Carolina. I just think that Atlanta gets it together. I just think that revenge factor is pretty big. I mean, that was embarrassing for them to lose twenty eight to three, and then the irony of it is, they blew a seventeen to nothing lead, you know, last week, and so. This is going to be pretty interesting to watch this game, to say the least.
1: Yeah, and we get the Monday nighter. Your your boys taking on Philly. It's a rivalry. It's always great. Uh, Wentz taking on Cousins. Uh, everybody that's going to be watching that. So, uh, we already know who you're going with. So, at this point, it's going to be a very good duel. Eagles looking good. Redskins there in the mix. So, Monday night's going to be a great, uh, great day for everybody to watch because it's Two two teams that really hate each other, as you said before.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. I and mean, then you know this is this is what your football is all about. This is that old NFC East rivalry. Both teams are are good now, and you want to see that.
0: And so that just
2: adds to the rivalry. So just sitting back waiting for this game is, is going to be extremely tough for both of these fan bases. Philadelphia won the first matchup in a tightly contested contest. Um, they kind of got a kind of a fluke interception and. Man, it, it still bothers me to this day. I mean the Redskins had a chance to win that one and you expect those games to be pretty tight. And I just think this game right now, um, it's it's a must win for the Redskins. Even this early in the season and even under three and two, they wanna keep pace with Philadelphia and right now they're a game and a half behind. If they win this game, they're a half a game behind Philadelphia. They have and, and they're and right now they have uh split the matchups and then now whoever wins the rest of the NFC East matchups will determine the winner of that division if they can keep pace and both teams can uh, keep winning as they're doing.
1: All right. Um, don't forget to subscribe to uh, and download your favorite episode, 196 episodes now on our, uh, our Apple podcast site. So you can go back <laughs> a long, a lot of years, even when Eric Lynn was here and Kishi free Eric Brown uh, yours truly, as well as Troy Wilson uh, and then Holly Custis. But so, download it, subscribe and download on the Apple Podcast under Gridiron Beauties and go to our website, or um, our social site at Facebook.com, Gridiron Beauties. You can also go to our Twitter feed and get the link there as well. So, don't forget to visit our No Joke Football Shop, up to 30% off daily on t shirts, leggings, and more. Take advantage of the daily sales, Zazzle.com forward slash Beauties. If you're an international, a fan, use worldwide tab for international orders. Use the worldwide tab under your country and get the uh, stuff there faster. So, uh, thanks to Zazzle for supporting us all this time. Appreciate it. Um, Troy, we're gonna go down under before we get out of here. Uh, Gridiron Queensland, the playoffs. We're about four weeks away from uh, the playoffs and we're uh, Sun Bowl, Sun Bowl uh, for 2017. So we're in the mix here. We already know: uh, Bayside Ravens, Gold Coast Stingrays. They're the top dogs in this uh, in this league. The Jets at three and three, looking to for a playoff spot. The Thunder and Rhinos at two and four, and the Spartans are winless so far. And so unfortunately, it looks like that's going to be the case going forward because their schedule doesn't get any easier. So week eight, the Ravens defeated the Thunder, thirty-six to fourteen. Stingrays defeated the Rhinos 26 to eight. So we expected that from last week. We we knew it was going to be tough to take on the you know the front runner and obviously the, the so uh, Troy. This is a tougher road for Thunder and Rhino to even try to make the playoffs because in the next week here, week nine, uh, the Ravens take on the Jets. They're hoping that the, you know obviously Bayside beats the Jets because that puts the Jets at three and four. The Spartans. Take on the Rhinos. The Rhinos have an opportunity here to rebound uh, because they, they would get a win, and that would be three and four matchup and kind of be neck and neck for a playoff spot. The uh, Stingrays are going to take on the Thunder. And also, like I said, I don't know if their, ch- their chances are not as good because they're facing the Gold Coast. So, um, Troy, this number three, number four, number five, crucial matchups coming up here in week eight and week nine for uh, Great Island, Queensland.
2: Yeah, this is where everyone separates. I mean, this is what you call the separation weekend. So we'll look. we we'll are definitely keep an eye on, on what, what transpires
1: with all of these teams. Yeah, and the Rays, to your point, you know they've been pretty good. Uh, One ninety six to sixty four. They're only giving up, like I said, uh, under a touchdown or so. It's always the Bay, Bayside Ravens, so they're the top dogs. So week eight's can, uh, week nine is going to be very crucial here, coming on October twenty first. Uh, Bayside taking the Jets. The Jets, this is a must win for them. They need to do this. Uh, Ravens need to continue to win to stay in, in competition here. So uh, three weeks left in the season. Week 10, Rhinos will take on the Ravens. Doesn't boast well for them. So they got to get that win in week nine against the Spartans. They've really got to muster that. And then in week, uh, week 10, the Jets and the Thunder are going to meet. Crucial matchup playoff positioning in Great Iron Queensland because it is the Jets and Thunder. Whoever wins here moves into either third or fourth position for the playoffs. The Spartans will take on the Rays and we all know how that's going to end up considering the Rays have not played well all season. Just looks like more of the same for them. Uh, Great Iron West October 15th the West Coast Wolverines win 18-12 to in week 2 of Great Iron West uh, taking on the uh, Curtain Saints. We'll keep you updated on our Twitter and Facebook page as well on those matchups uh, as we get to Great Iron West, a women's uh, championship uh, weekend going forward here as they, their season progresses into the playoffs. Um, Great Iron uh, Australia announces 2018, the women's uh, Australian Gridiron League tournament uh, will be in 2018. And they're looking for a host city for the tournament. It's going to be a couple days. So uh, they just announced it today. They're looking for a host city to uh, take care of the Gridiron Australia, which is the uh, Great grid, uh, Iron Australia uh, League, which is basically the National Competition State League. So uh, they're looking for, obviously, a host city. Great New South Wales, October 14th, week six. The Raiders, the champs, continue to roll, 38-12, to undefeated against the UTS Gators. And then the other, uh, the other game was forfeited by the Rebels because they didn't have enough players, so it was a default game. Uh, the win obviously goes to the Diamonds. So that's pretty much what we have in there. Overseas in Europe, uh, we have the Czech League, Women's League, Prague Harpies, uh, the Prague Blackhawks, and the champion Brno Amazons. It's been a great uh, season so far between the battle of Prague Blackhawks and the Brno Amazons. This is uh, week five. This week was 13 to 12, a big-time battle. Brno just edges the Black Cats by one point, uh, week six uh, coming up. It's going to be the Prague Black Cots taking on the Prague Harpies. Winner will go up against the Brno Amazons in Rose Bowl three, which is going to take place on November 11th. So big, big game, uh, Troy. This one, Harpies and Black Cots. Uh The winner moves on to the championship. So it's a big matchup this week.
2: Good championship weekend. This is, again, this is separation right here. I mean, it, 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 this, this is their first league, uh, first year in this one, right?
1: Uh, this is actually their third the Czech year league? in the uh, Czech, Czech League, yeah. So pretty exciting, actually, okay. for them. Yeah, so third third year. And uh, so Bruno has owned this league, I think, two years in a row, and the first year was the Black Cats. So, um, obviously, the Black Cats would love to get back to get another shot at, at a championship. And the Amazons already earned their berth. So they're just waiting for who, who these two, one of these two teams is going to, they're going to face. So it's pretty exciting. Uh, I want to give a shout out to Al, Al, Albetta Nekasiva uh, of the Bruno Amazons, as well as Albetta Heroshofa uh, of the Bruno Amazons, as well as Andrea Blatoba of the Black Cats. All those uh, individuals scored have scored more than three or four touchdowns in the season. So congratulations to them. And just before we get out of here. The Brazilian Championship is slated for October 28th. Is being, it'll be Carocas taking on uh, Sinop Coyotes, and that's a rematch of last year. Two time champion Carocas. Uh, last year, the Sinop upset them 23 to 22. So you know this team, the Carocas, are hungry to, for revenge based on the outcome of last season. So it's going to be uh, October 28th. It is the Brazilian Championship, and that is, it will be a rematch of the 2016 title so that's pretty much it up to date in terms of the women's scene you can follow us on twitter at gridiron beauty follow us on facebook at gridiron beauties uh you can follow troy on twitter what's the handle troy uh
2: troy wilson underscore
1: one you can follow troy for all college football nfl and a little bit of women's gridiron as well so all mixed in at one time or another so follow him there you can follow um the option Holly Custis at Relentis2121 on Twitter, as well as Holly Custis. Um, so um, Troy, what a great show. We had Callie, uh, Callie Branson on, DC Divas, three-time gold medalist plus two-time champion of the DC Divas. Always exciting to have her on.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Just, it was a pleasure speaking with her and uh, getting her insight and, uh, on her experiences and also for uh, the future of the game.
1: Yeah, it's a great job. So for – uh, thanks for to Callie Branson for coming on to the show. Uh, once again, I apologize for the knucklehead that was on our show during that time. And uh, we we'll look forward to another edition right here of the Iron Blitz next Tuesday as we talk NFL uh, Week 7, which is I – I thought it was Week 8. <laughs> but Week 7. And then we got college football. Once again, it's going to be exciting games. Uh, so I'm going to be glued on just like uh, Troy has been the whole time. Now I'm kind of getting into it, especially with these uh, – three points or less matchups starting to get heated up here. So I'm pretty excited about that. And we will have the recap and news and notes of gridiron Queensland as the playoffs merge in there. So looking forward to that. So for the option, Holly Custis and for Troy Wilson, Oscar Lopez saying be here next week. Don't forget to download our podcast at Apple podcasts, or you can subscribe to our podcast there as well. Have a great night, everybody.